0: This is the Dan Grasse Show on 98.7 ESPN. Tonight, there's no basketball. Tomorrow, the conference finals begins. Western Conference, Denver and the Lakers. So, as far as the programming schedule is concerned, let's just get this out of the way real quick. We're going to be on every day this week, Monday through Friday. Tonight is a full three-hour vehicle. Rest of the week, just till 8.30. So, they are going to be half shows for the remainder of the week because got to air the conference finals, right? So 8.30 is when those games tip off. And so that is what we will take you up until each and every night for the remainder of the week. And as always, you can get me on Twitter at Dan Gross at GRACA. Hope everybody have themselves a great weekend. Missed John Saturday morning, had some things to do family-wise. So back in the saddle and ready to rock and roll. And, you know, you don't like to miss shows, right? When you have an opportunity to be on the mic, when you have an obligation, you have a commitment, you expect to be there. And the unfortunate thing about not doing Saturday morning was is that it was coming off of the Friday night, unfortunately, end of the next season, where they gave it a good shot and they were a few points shy of the Miami Heat and they go home in six games. And instead, it's going to be Eric Spolster's team going to the conference finals, Knicks sent packing, and then into a summer of how do we get better. But, I mean, if, if we allow ourselves to take a step back, right, and just kind of assess and analyze everything that this team accomplished this year. All right, if I said to you back in you know early October, before we got this thing underway, that the Knicks would finish two wins from the conference finals and they would play all the way until the second week of May, you would probably take that. I can't think of a Knicks fan alive that would quibble with those type of projections at the beginning of the season. It's like, wow, okay. Remember, best case scenario, like dream scenario, was this team wins around. Wins around, it's a successful season. And not only did they win around, they beat the guy that most people wanted to be on this team, and the trade couldn't be consummated with Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers. You smoked them out of the playoffs and made it look relatively easy. So if you ask me right now, way, way more positives than negatives when you're talking about what this basketball team accomplished all throughout this season that leaves you with a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth of course it does right of course but what you learned over the course of those six games is that the Knicks aren't ready to win that type of series yet right Miami's now been to the conference finals three times in the last four years this is a team with a lot more playoff experience right they're built for this time of year you know, Miami was a team that kind of lollygagged through the regular season, and, and, and Spolster talked about that last week. You know, they use the regular season as a, and, and the struggles that come along with it as a, a, as a challenge and something that they embrace. Whereas the Knicks, the objective was not just let's get through the regular season. Knicks went through this regular season trying to prove a point. Win as many games as possible, Right. Showcase your brand-new star player in Jalen Brunson, who had an unbelievable season. That goes without saying, and we'll talk plenty more about him. You know, Julius Randle putting together an All-NBA campaign. Manuel Quickly, runner-up for the Sixth Man of the Year Award. You know, getting a top-five seed in the Eastern Conference. Nixon Heat, two different animals when it came to the regular season. But once this time of year rolled around, where kind of all the marbles are going to be evaluated, it was Miami who had the answers. And more importantly, I, I, I think simply when you look back at this series, what it comes down to for the Knicks is that nobody else was really ready or maybe a better word is capable of helping Jalen Brunson from trying to pull this team into the conference finals because he did all he could, right? Jalen Brunson emptied the tank, not just Friday night, but really this whole season then into the playoffs. And specifically the last two games of this series – I mean, the guy came off the floor for a total of three minutes in the last two games, left it all on the court, Given up his body, taking elbows to the face. Problem is, is that Friday night, everybody else was a no show, right? It was Brunson out there playing the entire Miami Heat team, and he damn almost pulled it off which is a testament to him, a testament to the Knicks front office for getting this guy here and able to close the deal, even though it seemed like it was fated complete. But think about what you have on your hands now, right? Like, I know you might still be frustrated. You might be upset that the season's over and the team fell short. But think about it. You got Jalen Brunson on your team now. You're a Knick fan. This guy is yours for the next how many years? Hopefully the rest of his career, right? One day you rip up this contract and you just give him a new one. And on and on and on. When was the last time that you were a Knicks fan and your season ended and you said, my gosh, I'm glad this guy's on our team? Wow. Like, I'm glad this guy's on our team. And there are teams around the NBA and fans around the NBA that probably watch this guy in our uniform go out there and take the floor. And they're somewhat envious of the fact that he's wearing a jersey that says New York. Because he gives it everything he has. And he's pretty damn good, too. Really, really good, as if you didn't know that already. But in the meantime, on Friday night, the other four starters shot five of 32, including the other two guys who were right up there in terms of importance for this basketball team in Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, who went four for 24. Can't have it. Can't do it, especially in a game like that. And it's evident in this series, too, the Knicks missed Emmanuel quickly for a number of reasons. number of reasons. Defensively is one. And look at what happened on Friday night when Jalen Brunson tried to get a spell. When Tom Thibodeau put him on the bench in the second quarter for, you know, two, three minutes. And just in those few minutes that Miles McBride was out there on the floor, Miami went on a run. And you could tell that something was off. And and, And something screamed, get Brunson back in the game. And Tibbs knew that. And he essentially did. But the damage had kind of been done. Because even though they got this thing down to a one-possession game late in the fourth quarter, and then ultimately that untimely turnover, they were fighting an uphill battle all night, especially when you weren't getting any contributions from any other guys on that team. And oh, by the way, another thing that was playing as day, different from round one to round two, Bam Adebayo destroyed the interior of the Knicks defense, destroyed them. Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, they manhandled the Mobleys and the Jared Allens in week one, or week one, round one, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That was a huge, huge bonus for the Knickerbockers. In this round, she was on the other foot. Adebayo was a monster. It was night and day, and they didn't have any answers. Had none. And you saw it even on Friday night. You know, whereas Jimmy Butler was out there doing his thing, then you had Adebayo doing his, and the Knicks could not compensate for that. Could not compensate at all. So now we're left with, what do you do? Now we're left with the future and thinking about the summer that lies ahead. And it's a little bit of a different situation than this team is used to being in, right? Normally, like tomorrow's the NBA draft lottery. And that's kind of like, the main event of the Knicks offseason. How are the ping-pong balls? Are they going to fall our way? How high are we going to be picking in the draft? Are we going to strike gold in the lottery and perhaps maybe get that prospect who is going to change the fortunes of this organization? No, that's really not the case tomorrow. You're watching the thing tomorrow to see if you're going to be able to own your pick this year if Dallas falls out of the top 10. That's what you're hoping happens. And I think, like, mathematically, it's something like a 20% chance that that happens. But I don't think you're going to be consumed by it. I mean, we'll be on the air tomorrow while the lottery is going on, but it's not like we're going to be sitting here like counting down every single choice and every time the ping pong ball comes up because it's not necessary. Foundation is in place. What has to happen here for the Knicks is how does it get better? How do you add to what already has been accomplished? Coach ain't going anywhere, right? Coach ain't going anywhere. Jalen Brunson ain't going anywhere. Everybody else, that's up for debate. And we're going to spend some time here on the show tonight discussing who should stay, who should go, who might have to go if you want to go out there and improve the personnel, which let's face it, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here. If the Knicks just decide, you know what, let's run it back. Let's run it back with the same team. If the Knicks decide to do that, you tell me, where are they going next year? How are they going any further than what they just accomplished this season? They're not. They're not. They run it back with this same group. It's a second-round team at best in the Eastern Conference, at best. It was painfully evident they need more help. They still need that guy who we all knew that they had to go out and acquire last offseason, whether it was Donovan Mitchell or whether it was somebody else. Now, Jalen Brunson proved himself to be a star, and I don't care that he wasn't picked for the all-star team. I don't care that he wasn't all-NBA. He's both. I think, for anybody that watches this guy on a night-in-night-out basis. But he needs help. He's not a number one, but he's really, really good. Julius Randle, obviously not a number one. And, yes, we got to talk about him. Because I think his name is going to be thrown around a lot this summer. A lot. As to what potentially could happen. So we'll get into all these things as we move forward through the night. We'll also check in with Ian Begley. SNY's NBA insider, talk about what he thinks the summer will look like as far as this basketball team is concerned. Plus, plenty of your phone calls at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get into the baseball later as well. Yanks opening up a big series in Toronto. They're just underway. And the Mets, well, I don't know if they're going to be able to get back to New York from Washington because if the wheels haven't fallen off that bus already, they're damn well close. What an embarrassment. This team continues to be on a day-in, day-out basis. $360 million, and they look like they never played baseball before. I know that Steve Cohen's got more money than God, and he don't even know if $360 million is missing, but his name is all over this team. You know, and last week he was sitting courtside in Madison Square Garden on the night the Mets were playing, by the way, laughing it up and loving the Knicks and getting all caught up in what the Knicks were doing. But you know what? Steve, now the Knicks season is over. All right, Steve, watch your baseball team. Your baseball team is a joke. Your baseball team is the second coming of the worst team that money could buy. And coincidentally enough, it was another Mets team that owned that title way back when. And now the Tampa Bay Rays are coming into City Field, where the Mets just lollygagged through the last two weeks against some of the worst teams in baseball and only won four games. Wow. This could get even worse. So we got a lot on the agenda tonight. We're rolling until 10 o'clock. Full three-hour vehicle. Good to have those, right? Dan Grasse's show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Gross' show on 98.7 ESPN. I don't know if I can remember enjoying watching a guy play. I'm not talking about, like, across the league. I'm talking about, like, locally. You know, Nick Uniform. Net uniform, whatever, enjoying a guy watching him play more than I've enjoyed watching Jalen Brunson this year in totality from start to finish. You know, the dude is not one of these needy superstars. He's so unassuming. He just goes out there and plays. He doesn't complain, right? It's just all about getting the job done. No fanfare, and he's not getting the fanfare he deserves. Hopefully next year he will. That's the way it works. Like, you always get rewarded and get the accolades a year after you're supposed to, like if you've never gotten them before. That's how it works with all these all-star teams and this and that. Brunson is going to get his flowers next year. And hopefully he's going to be just as productive, if not more. Because there were questions, remember, he had that great playoff last year for the Dallas Mavericks. And it was, oh, well, how do you know that he's going to be able to translate that when he comes to a new team where he's going to be the one running the show? And the opposing team is not going to be keying in on Luka Doncic, right? And so on and so forth. Well, he answered all those questions. He was the guy. Because I know Randall was all NBA. Knicks are not playing in the second round of the playoffs if they don't have Jalen Brunson on their team. And we haven't mentioned Julius Randle yet. Because this is going to be, I think, I think, the big talking point of the offseason, as it should be. Right? Last year was kind of Donovan Mitchell. Will the Knicks get him? Will they not get him? But I think the fan base has such a love-hate relationship with Julius Randle. I, I, I was trying to think, like, what other New York athlete Does the fan base for the Knicks, like the relationship and the feelings they have towards Julius Randle, like what is that comparable to with another athlete here in New York? And I've I've been trying to think about it, right? It's like you want him to do well, you cheer for him when he does well, but then at the moments that he doesn't get it done, it's he's the worst player in the league and we got to trade him and we got to get rid of him. Because that's where things are right now with Julius Randle, right? And that's where they stand. Look, he's all NBA two times in the last three years. That's not something to just dismiss and say, oh, that's no big deal. That's a nice accomplishment. You're one of the top 10, 15 players in the NBA twice in a three year period. That's good. You want to get as many of those guys on your team as possible. And let's face it, okay? I know things didn't end on a high note at the least, but the Knicks are not here without Julius Randle. Right? They're not here without Julius Randle, just like the Philadelphia 76ers, and we'll get to them a little bit later on. They're not here as far as what they accomplished this year without Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid was the MVP of the league. I know he played horribly in their elimination game, but you don't get to this point without guys going out there and performing and having great seasons, star seasons. Randle's production in the playoffs fell off. We know that. I know he had an ankle injury, Right. He tried to play through it. Then he reheard it again in the playoffs. It was like one thing after another. But that still does not dismiss the realities of what you're watching out there because it drives you crazy. You know, when he's struggling shooting the basketball and contributing offensively, you see some of these lackadaisical spells down the other end of the floor. And you could tell that it gets in his head. It's like in baseball, right? If a guy goes up there and he's struggling at the plate, And he can't hit his way out of a paper bag. Then he goes out into the field and he's letting the offensive struggles get into his mind defensively. And he's booting ground balls in the field and on and off and those other type of things. You see that with Randall, And it's frustrating as hell. And there's times when he's out there and, you know, this ISO ball, it grinds the offense to the halt. The ball isn't moving as properly as it should. I mean, think back to that game that the Knicks won, Game 5, right? Randall goes to the bench that second quarter. That's when the Knicks go on that run. The offense looked like night and day from when he was out on the floor. Now, his playoffs this year was still not as bad as what you saw two years ago against the Atlanta Hawks, and the season, of course, was more good than bad. But still, a lot of times in sports, and a lot of times certainly in this city and in this town, What you do in the big stage, what you do in the postseason, kind of defines what your legacy is. That's what kind of you leave your imprint. And the one thing that I disagree with the head coach, you know, for Tibbs to say after the game that Julius is still young and he's going into his prime, Tibbs, he's 28. I mean, he's young in the game of life, don't get me wrong. But, like, as far as basketball is concerned, like, I mean, it's not often. You see a guy with as much time as already he's put into, the. I mean, he's been in this league already, what, eight years, nine years. It's tough to kind of reinvent yourself after that much time in this league. I mean, R.J. Barrett, you want to use that excuse and say he's young, he's 22 years old. All right, I'm, I'm with you still, but a little bit different with Julius Randle. Now, do I think at the end of the day he's going to be traded? No, probably not. Because remember, whatever team he's traded to, that money, there's a team that's going to have to absorb a nice chunk of change on their cap. I think the Knicks are going to explore all ways, if possible, to be able to bring in a guy who is a star, that they're going to pair him with Jalen Brunson, with Julius Randle, and see where this thing goes. I don't know if you're going to be able to make that move without saying goodbye to at least R.J. Barrett or Quentin Grimes or manual quickly, or a boatload of those draft choices or some combination of all of them. But if you want to get something that's really, really special, you got to give up a lot. It's how this thing works. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's go to the phones. Jan and Yonkers going to start us off here on 98.7 ESPN. Jan, how you doing? Jan, you with us? Dan, going once. All right, we're going to move on from him because it's not there. That's disappointing. You know, you don't want to have your first one come up empty. You know, you want to hit your first shot, right? You want to get a hit your first time up at bat, get some positive momentum building, and now we have none. All the positive momentum out the window. It's like it never existed. I know Artie in Brooklyn could try, could try to redeem things for us. Artie, how we doing? What's going on, buddy? There you know, he is. I know Artie's bringing what it. Batting, what's going on? You're batting me up second. You're asking me to sacrifice. Right, it's okay. I'll do it. No. I'll do my no job. sacrifice. We Don't got, work. Artie, we got nobody on base. Go swing the bat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm swinging for the fences. <laughs> Just put the ball so in listen.
1: play. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I, I'm bad at like the mess with the sequel of that book. That was a perfect, perfect thing. A sequel. The best, the worst money a team could buy. It's yeah. unbelievable. Only, only the Mets. Um, I think the Knicks are in the same position as the Rangers and the Jets were that they have to make a move. And I'm not going to sit there and criticize what they what they do, but they have to do something. And I'll, I'll have a list. And you're going to get crazy with this list, but I think Clay Thompson would be wait not Clay Thompson. The kick from the Dallas Mavericks, Donovich, whatever, you got to make a call to Dallas first. If you can't get him, I go to Clay Thompson. Then you go to Towns.
0: Artie, I love you to death. But Kyrie, there's no way that's happening. No way that's happening. There's a better chance that I'm suiting up for the Knicks next year than Kyrie Irving. Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you, the Luka thing intrigues the hell out of me. You know, Dallas, I, I don't know where that ship is sailing right now. I don't know where that thing is going. And you could tell that he's a little bit unhappy about everything. Who's to say, what if Dallas bends over backwards to try to bring Kyrie back? Wouldn't that be something? Because you can tell the Luka was as happy as a you-know-what at the end of the season. Hey, bottom line, Knicks need to go out there and improve the talent on this roster. Okay? You need some shooters, because that was a glaring, glaring absence, especially in this series. I think you need to get a little bit bigger down low, to be quite honest with you. Rob in Queens, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Rob, how we doing? Hi. Hey, Rob.
1: Can you hear
2: me?
0: Yeah, we got you. What's going Hello? on, Rob? Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, you know,
2: I, listen, I've been watching the Knicks all year long. I, I watch basketball in general anyways. But um, but the thing is, is you know, if for as much as people don't like Julius Randle for the way he is or some of his, you know, courtside stuff where, you know, he does lose a bit of focus. I I agree totally with what you said on the segment a little while ago. I I think there's no way they'd be where... And the real reason I think that they lost this series had nothing to do, really, with him. The overall reason is they did not rebound. They were the fourth best rebounding team in the NBA. Okay and they went against a team that was 25th in rebounding, okay? there, That was a glaring, glaring difference between them. You cannot be out-rebounded by a team that is that bad, okay? And um, and I think that falls squarely on the shoulders of Mitchell Robinson. Um, I am not a fan of Mitchell Robinson because I think he grossly uh, underperforms and um, and he has no ability to score. And and also you could you know, but not not for anything. Emmanuel quickly didn't do anything either. I mean, I know he got hurt later on in the playoffs. But to be perfectly honest, he didn't do anything for anything in the in the Cleveland series either. Well, he wasn't
0: good in he the playoffs. Terrible. He, Robbie wasn't good in the playoffs, and I thank you for the phone call, and he missed half the series against Miami, which, you know, does it have a different outcome if quickly is healthy? I don't know. Remember, because when he was out there, as Rob said, he wasn't playing that well. As far as the rebounding is concerned, sometimes we get caught up in the box score, and we get caught up in the numbers. Like, if you look at the stats, you know, there were some games that the Knicks out-rebounded the Miami Heat. Like, I think they might have even out-rebounded them as a whole in that game on Friday night, in game six, but... It's the quality of the rebounds. It's the significance of the rebounds. And more importantly, it was offensive rebounding that did the Knicks in in this series. Not just rebounding, specifically offensive rebounding. How many second-chance points did the Miami Heat have in this series, especially when they raced down to that 3-1 series lead and the two games down in Miami? It was getting every offensive rebound, every second-chance basket. Knicks turning the basketball over, points off of turnovers going to Miami. And really, for the first quarter, of game number five back at MSG, a game that the Knicks ended up winning, it was like more of the same. That's what drove me crazy, and that's why I said at the beginning, the Bigs, Mitchell Robinson, Hartenstein. Hartenstein had one good game in this series, the game they won, game five. But other than that, the Knicks Bigs in this series had their lunch taken away from them by Bam Adebayo and company. And it was the complete opposite in round one against Cleveland. They exposed the Cleveland bigs, right? Guys with all-star pedigree, and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, that's all we were hearing about, blah, 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 blah. Knicks took them to school in that series. Other way around here against Miami. Bam was impressive. Bam did whatever the hell he wanted to. And that's why even on Friday night when they were sitting there trying to dig out of that hole, and when you had Butler bottled up or you had one of the other guys bottled up or whatever, it was bam, they had no answer for. He would always make a play. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. More of the Knicks calls. And we'll examine some potential upgrades as well as we continue to move forward. We'll save the baseball for the next hour. Dan Grasse's Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> is what you need him for, and I think, I hope, Knicks are going to find a way to be able to get that done. Here's the thing with IQ. We know how valuable IQ is because he's the scoring punch off the bench. He's eligible for an extension from his rookie contract. That gets underway July 1st. They could get that done. But the question that IQ has to answer more than anything else, not that do the Knicks want him back or not, does IQ want to come back and play behind Jalen Brunson? Because Jalen Brunson's not going anywhere. So if you're Emmanuel quickly, and you had the season that you had, and who knows, you know, his agent or somebody getting in his ear and says, you know, you could go and make more money, and you could go get more minutes and be a starter on another team. You might be a bad team, but there's minutes for you maybe more than you're getting in New York if you go play someplace else. That's something that IQ has to reconcile with himself. Nothing to do with the Knicks. So I'm curious to see how that plays itself out once we get into the summertime. But getting Hart to a new contract, I think, is imperative for this program to keep going in the right direction. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi. Kevin in New Jersey up next here on 9870 ESPN. What's up, Kev? What's up, Dan? How are we doing, man? Kev, what's the word? How's things? Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, I got, uh, like, two points. I'll
3: make them swift. One is about the Knicks, and one is an actual question to you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. So for the Knicks, I'm not going to be the guy who calls up and says we need to blow the whole thing up. We need to get rid of Randall, we'll get rid of Quick. I'm not going to be that guy because I just don't think that's how championship teams are made. I think continuity is incredibly important. I think RJ is is a really talented basketball player, but I think when the spotlight's on him and everyone thinks that he's supposed to be the guy who gives you 25, 30 a night, then people are going to be disappointed when he gives you 18. Which by the way, from a fourth option, if you can make him that, is really good. He plays a little bit of defense, nothing crazy, but he's willing. He's a willing defender. He can rebound. People always hate on his jump shot, like he shoots like Shaq. This guy, he can shoot the three. He's
0: streaky in the sense where you know he might go a few games without it, but I like him. Rangel, you know what RJ me, is? I just don't. You know, Kev, you know what go RJ ahead. is? He's consistently inconsistent. That's what RJ is. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. But if
3: if 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 your fourth option is consistently inconsistent, but it's inconsistent is seventeen eighteen a night, I'm okay with that. I'll take that. Um, I heard some people call about Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein. The problem with them is they have zero offense, right? So they're zero. playing four on five on offense, really. I mean, they're they're incredible on the boards, and yeah, they can get a putback or a or a or a uh, a lob here and there, but they they can't create their own offense. Uh, they're not something that Jalen you know Jalen Brunson can can drive in drive in and kick out to. I, I don't know but I think they fit what the Knicks do. I don't think they need to make a huge change there. We didn't lose the series because of Hartenstein and, and 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 uh, and Robinson. Whether or not they got the offensive rebounds that they had to get in the Cavs series, that's not why we lost that series. And then to Randall real quick, uh, he just, I feel like Randall just doesn't really fit the fluidity of the offense that I want to see. Like, I love the Warriors offense. Pass, 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 pass. Find the open shot. Go. And when the Knicks did that in this playoff run, they were successful with it. But he just stops that thing. He can't dribble at all. Oh my god. He thinks he's a guard, but he can't dribble. I played zero minutes of basketball in my life, and I can. I think I might be able to dribble better than Julius Randle.
0: And then it, real it's quick, it's frustrating. That's the pr- Kevin. I'll let yeah. you finish. Yeah, th- that's the problem, right? Is when things aren't going well, it just grinds things to a halt. And it's like you're banging your head up against the wall watching this guy continually just seems like dribble out the shot clock and then put up a fadeaway from 20, 25 feet away from the basket. Like, I don't want to see that stuff anymore. Absolutely. And sometimes he makes those shots, he makes those stupid
3: fadeaways. And you're like, oh, like you want to be mad, but you're like, you made it. And he also has this other problem where he where when he plays poorly, he gets angrier and angrier and tries to make up for it as the game progresses. And it's like you're not you're not you're just making it worse. You, like he'll he'll try to chuck up crazy shots or try to take that three to make up for it. It's like just give the ball up man. go go right. win in other ways. You don't have to score. Um, and then my final point is, this has nothing to do with the Knicks, but real quick, as a guy I respect a lot in the radio, I didn't do radio, I studied physiology in college, but as I got older, I always, I mean, I always wanted to be in radio, and I chose not to choose the journalism route and everything, if you had a one piece of advice for a 29-year-old guy who would love to be in radio, and he has to just get his foot in the door, just, just a little bit of sip of water, what would be the first piece of advice you had, if you had one?
0: Um... I think that it's a good time for somebody to be doing stuff like that now because of the Internet, because of social media. Like, you can go out there and record your own things, Kev. You could do your own shows. You could do whatever to work on your craft. And then you could get it out there to the masses just because of the Internet. Like, you don't have to walk into a radio station or buy time to be on the air or anything like that. See, with technology now and all the opportunities that it affords, you can go out there and kind of start getting and laying the groundwork and the foundation of things that you want to do on your own. You know, and then you hope other people are going to take notice and so on and so forth. But working on your craft, I think, is the most important thing as far as, you know, getting yourself established before other people are going to start to maybe network with you and so on and so forth.
3: Absolutely. I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you for the advice. Now, let's just hope RJ can work on his craft. All right. Thank you so much. There you go. To you.
0: Kev, good stuff. And, and and you know what? That's a good lesson for anybody. You don't have to, you know, to do, if you do want to do something like this, like you don't have to pursue media and, you know, or study it or journalism or communications or whatever it is. You don't. I mean, that's a good lesson for life. It doesn't have to be just necessarily this business. You know how many people I know that, you know, what they do something for a living, which is has absolutely nothing to do with what they studied in school. Really? Like, and I think that that that's one of the gripes if I have here, here I'm going on my soapbox right now. Can I have some music here, uh, Harvey? Like, I feel like I have to I, I feel like I'm giving like a speech now like a declaration of independence or something. I'm, I'm going to give like a big speech. I think what you have to do is more young people, especially when you're getting to that age. Like you get into for example, if you choose to go to college, right? And they always put, you know, they hold your feet to the fire because they want you to choose a major. You got to declare a major. What do you and there I think there's so much pressure put on people and kids at that age that they have to immediately declare. Yeah. There you go. It could be. It could be emotional. That's that's fine. Or even if you have the what's the no? Give me the um, the graduation music. Remember you played it last week. And then you you were playing it for something. And I said no. That's not what we're playing it for because that's like the graduation standby. You know what I'm talking about? No, I do not have to. <laughs> Isn't it like um? Oh, just, just, I got. it. Give me one second, don't you? Mean. All right, well, he'll find it for you. I don't know. You know what? I'm gonna take. Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to take a call, <laughs> and you find the music, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to make my speech because I want it to have the proper context, okay? And to do that, I'm going to have to rely on Jose in Brooklyn to help bail us out. Jose, how we doing?
4: <laughs> Fantastic. How are you doing, Mr. Groswell?
0: Jose, we are killing it tonight. What is up with you, All right.
4: Oh, i Oh, just a side point. I do teach. Uh, I got a degree in history, my master's in education. I went to teach for the DOE, and realized I didn't want to stay there for the rest of my life. So now I teach careers and, uh, and help people with their resumes and see how they could use their skills to transfer to another career. So
0: see, you, and you, that's, you, important do. that's important <laughs> yes, to That's important, and that's a good, proper little context to add to this example. I'm glad that you said that. You see, See, I knew I could rely on you, Jose. You always <laughs> step up to the plate.
4: Anytime, anytime. So, I wanted to get my Knicks point because I've been doing the whole post mortem with every show and everything. And because I'm just such a huge hardcore Knicks fan, I've just come, come to the acceptance. I scream at the TV way too much, and my friends always look at me like I'm crazy. So, like, you know, I, I I just have to come to that acceptance. But, um, the it, like, like I said, you know, you know, I've been an RJ defender, and I've just been one of these guys that have been so disappointed with that game six performance. He needs to improve on his jump shot. Like that is literally the missing piece. Whether if it's if it's his mid range or his three point game, try to improve one of those things. It's something that is doable. You know, there have been plenty of players that have been that have been forced to turn into jump shooters and. They met the challenge. He needs to meet that challenge by the end of next year because, as you stated, he's going to be the highest paid Nick next year. So he's going to have to – and that's where the real criticism is going to really come in, and that's where the accounting is going to be like, hey, is he worth keep, keeping around? Um, as far as Randall, I'm going to accept him as, as who he is. Yeah, I hope he can develop and be that third person and look at all the young pieces around him that he kind of pretty much groomed to, to to this spot. And hopefully, he realizes that as the mentor, it's time to, you know, give them give them the ball a little more and make that make that offense going. Because I think in Game Five, if I'm not mistaken, in Cleveland before he got hurt, he was really doing great job play um, being a playmaker on that game. And as far as uh, Tibbs, as much as I thought he was outcoached, I think that there really isn't anybody better out there yet. I know that there's a couple of people that have won the titles and everything, but we're we're talking about we're not trying to restructure the whole thing.
0: Well, I I agree with you, Jose, and I thank you for the phone call. I don't think anything is happening to Tibbs. I don't. Now, remember, remember there was rumblings what, about 20, 25 games into the season this year when things weren't going maybe as planned or as they wanted them to and should the Knicks make a change and all these type of things. And then they were able to right the ship, and Tibbs is sticking around. He's not going anywhere. Next year, though, this team has already now laid the groundwork of what they could possibly become. So I think there is going to be some expectations, whether it's in the front office, ownership, you name it, that the directive is to win next year and to not just capitalize on what this team accomplished this year, but to actually go one step further. Think about RJ as far as improvement. Look, I don't want to pin it to him and say this is who he is, like he can't get any better because he's only 22, but the one area in particular, like Jose brought up shooting specifically, just improve the three-point shooting, please. This was probably his worst season when it came to shooting from beyond the arc. I don't have the numbers in front of me. It, it, just from watching the games and watching his whole career, he was probably the least reliable from three than he was in his entire career this season. That's got to be better. Think about how that could change the dynamic of his game. If you add that as part of his arsenal, that's somewhat reliable. alright one nine three seven seven six. Harvey found his music. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to make my uh, soapbox speech, and then we'll get back to your calls. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. See, that's what we're looking for. That's the music. And I, I, I know you'd find it. I have the utmost confidence in you. All right. Welcome back to the Grasso Show. Remember, earlier in the last segment, if you're just joining us, we had Kevin in New Jersey who called, and he was somebody who was late in life. Not late in life. I shouldn't say that. He was in his late 20s, but he was beyond college, and he he's interested in radio. He was wanting to do radio, and he was thinking about a career change. It goes against what he studied in school, and he was just, you know, wanting tips on maybe how to, build a career off it and make that transition and my thing is is that I've always been an advocate of and one of the things that really kind of like ruffles my feathers and it even did back when I was in school is that I don't think kids at that age there are few of them that do but the majority of them have no idea what they want to do for the rest of their lives and when these schools come out and they make it declare a major and all these other things like some of them just get completely overwhelmed Kind of like what anxiety, like, oh, my God, I don't want to declare a major. I don't know what I want to do. What if I don't want to do this tomorrow? What if I want to change next week? And it just puts so much undue pressure on these kids. So what I am here to tell everybody, I don't care if you are in college, thinking about going to college. I don't care if you're post-college like Kevin and later on even in life. Who the hell cares? Here's my word of advice to you. Do whatever the hell makes you happy, okay? It doesn't matter what's on a piece of paper which is gonna dictate the rest of your life. There's still time to change. Now, there are exceptions, of course. You know, if you wanna be a doctor, you should probably start taking some of those science courses and, you know, getting ready for the pre-med stuff. There are a few things that are the exception, but for the most part, you can do whatever the hell you want. This, you don't need a degree in, you know, aeronautical engineering to do. You gotta have the ability, you gotta have the talent, you go have the reps, and you make it happen, right? And you have the passion to do it. That's what life is all about. It's passion, taking the bull by the horns. And that's my soapbox speech. Thank you, thank you. Now go conquer the world. And I think that's timely, right? It's a timely speech, because isn't like this is like graduation season. Like I think a lot of these colleges, right, have been having graduations and ceremonies over the last couple of weeks. Nobody bothered to ask me if I wanted to come and give a commencement speech. I think it would be a great speech. I think I would bring the house down. You know, it would be throwing flowers to me up on that stage. I would have done it. I wouldn't even have charged a fee. Harvey, you know a lot of these people that do the commencement speeches, they charge a fee? They charge a speaking engagement fee? They do. I wouldn't do that. I would do it out of the goodness of my heart. That's what it's all about, helping people. A.J. in Brooklyn is up next You're on 98.7. What's up, A.J.? How are you? I'm good. How you doing, Dan? What's up, A.J.? I'm good. A um, couple of questions. Uh, one of the things is, you know, um,
1: how hard, I mean, it's really hard to get a number one guy to, to add to the Knicks roster. How about just upgrading the supporting cast, maybe going after like a number two or number three and getting a win player like a Jeremy Grant or somebody like that, Lonnie Walker? I mean, how, how how much better would that improve the Knicks and, and get maybe like a, a great three-point shoe like a Curry off the bench the, to use like what Miami did to us?
0: I mean, you're not getting Steph Curry. I mean, if that's what you no, think. No, no, that's doing. Steph Curry. Uh, I speak, mean, uh, no, they need a shooter. AJ, they need right. a shooter in the worst way. But if right. you said if you can get that lower-tiered kind of star player, And somebody Uh that's not going to warrant you giving up, let's say some of your key pieces or your foundational pieces. No R.J., no Randall, nothing like that. Yeah, I'm all for that. Pressure off of those guys. You know what I'm saying? You need somebody to show it because look, and I understand that Brunson's great. Randall was an All NBA player. He was an All Star. And Barrett has his moments. But you know what? There's going to be nights. Where sometimes your best players just have an off night, and it's your complimentary right. guys that have to get you to the finish line. Think about a couple of those Heat games, for example, where the Max right. Struces of the world and the Duncan Robinsons of the world, and how many big plays Kyle Lowry made off the bench for them in helping exactly. them win games Lowry and was, taking uh, the pressure the off ball. Butler. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm with. Look, if, is a free agent. If, bottom line, if you're asking me. Number one area that the Knicks have to upgrade in the offseason, it is shooting, shooting, and shooting. I can't be any more clear about that. No. Thank you. AJ, you'd be good. They got to get a shooter, you know? And maybe it is going to be a guy who isn't, let's say, a number one, maybe not even a number two. Maybe he's a really good, like, three. But if it allows you the opportunity to keep all these other guys, then what's the worst thing in the world than bringing them in? It's something you certainly have to consider. I mean, it would be a dream scenario, but, I, I, like, for example, a guy like Zach Levine. Now, Zach Levine plays no defense. None. Like, Zach Le- if, if I parked my car, I wouldn't trust Zach Levine to watch it because somehow the car would get away even though it was parked because that's how bad Zach Levine is on defense. But you know what he can do? He could score. He could score. He could score. He could score. And that's what this team needs. Just throwing that out there as an option. All right, good first hour. A lot more to do. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Remember, a little bit later on in the program, Ian Begley is going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll get to more of your basketball calls. When we come back, though, I've got to get into the Mets because the Mets right now are playing like an embarrassment a quarter of the way through the season. Dan Ross' show, we're rolling on this Monday, 98.70 SPN.